Welcome everyone to the politics of gender. We are diving into the thorny questions of sex, gender, whether they're the same thing, whether they're different. And we've just come off a long dive into the work of Judith Butler, uh, Gender Trouble, where we were all staring into the abyss with the queer theorists. Their ultimate conclusion, as far as I can tell, is that it's all will to power. We are constructing ourselves on the basis of whatever tools we happen to have lying around. The predominant tool when it comes to constructing an identity, a sexual identity, is, of course, the male-female binary and the various um, meanings that can be attributed to it. And so Judith Butler left us with the challenge to go and take up those tools and trouble them. That is to say, use them to make um, the whole male-female binary, uh, the claim that the male-female binary is natural seem to be silly. Rather, we should all know that we're all just asserting identities as we will, um, as best as we are able. Or in other words, there is no identity. Yeah. And if that's the case, there is no natural. And at least what we can do is put everyone on the same playing field, which I think is a, a nice transition to our new topic for today, which is when queer theory meets liberalism. So mm -hmm. after reading this queer theorist, uh, the question is, well, why, why should we even care about it? Um, this stuff is really, really difficult and dense and tedious to get through. Can we even come to know if there is uh, identity? Is this a project that most people are really interested in figuring out? Probably not, but there is a reason that we, we do care about it. Um, and that's because we want to make sure that, well, at, at least that everyone is equal and, and can do that for themselves. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's when Queer Theory meets the Liberal Project, and that's pretty much where your dissertation picks up. Yeah, the LGBT public school style um, conveying of all this, which is essentially also not concerned with the truth of things, um, but mm -hmm. is concerned with the management of what people are doing with their constructions, what they're doing with their identities. Uh, liberalism is basically trying to manage conflicts. So mm -hmm. it, it wants everyone to be equal. It doesn't want any one gender to be sort of hierarchically bigger and better and better than the others. Um, mm -hmm. And it wants to have a sort of equal playing field for, for all. Fair? Yeah. So I, I think uh, the question that you begin exploring the dissertation is, okay, so if that's the case, we're not making any, any truth claims here about gender, gender identity. Mm -hmm. The liberal state isn't going to want to walk into those muddy waters. No. It just wants to make sure that everyone's equal. Everyone can equally do their own thing. And then the question is, okay, does that work? Like practically, can we accomplish that goal? Totally. Yeah. And, you know, an analogy I like to use is to um, religion, right? So liberalism has a similar attitude towards religion. It doesn't care what's true. So it's not going to say Protestantism is true, Catholicism is true, mm -hmm. Hinduism is true. Yep. Uh, what it's trying to do is maintain a neutral field in which all of these religions can be just private options, individual constructions that you believe or don't believe. And it manages um, any any attempts to do something else, namely to have some kind of violent, authoritative, hierarchical, this one's better than that one, this one's mm -hmm. true, this one's false. Um, it manages religions into what you might imagine is kind of like a an acronym, um, not LGBT, but whatever all of the various denominations that are tolerated within, say, America would give you a similar acronym that is also happening with gender identity. Exactly. Yeah. So in order to, to do this, to move the analogy a little bit further, it first has to kind of equalize all religions it can't prioritize one over another totally. they all have to be equally neutral 
options. And then the second thing that it has to do is as to make sure that you can't abuse that system either. You yeah. can't pose as a religious group when you are in fact not, totally. but you're just doing it to gain certain social advantages or maybe to abuse other people. Mm -hmm. And so this is where you run into uh, a problem of definitions, which is the exact place that you begin in your dissertation, which is what what is a religion so that we can... And include these ones and protect these ones, but not include any of the the not actually true religions, like people who are just using it to abuse the system or to get money or something like right, that. Right, sure. Yeah, and, and within gender identity, you know, that what you just said, which is that the, the there's a necessity of everyone being equalized. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose of uh, the definitions, right? So. Right. Um, the human rights campaign is a good one. Um, so they do a lot of um, gay activism and they define gender identity as one's innermost concept of self as male, female, a blend of both or neither. And I think this is pretty typical. I think we're kind of familiar with familial, familial, familiar, familiar <laughs> with this definition, um, especially if you've been through public school, you know, you get it in all sorts of cute posters that kind of are cringy up on the walls. Um the EU, for instance, has a very similar one. Each person's deeply felt, this is gender identity, I should say, each person's deeply felt internal and individual experience of gender, which may or may not correspond to their sex assigned at birth. Uh, the United Nations has a definition of gender identity, which is, I quote, a deeply felt and experienced sense of one's own gender. And so we can see where this is all going. They're all kind of meaning the same thing. There's this thing called gender identity. And gender identity is the sense of gender in some way. Mm -hmm. um, now, the human rights campaign gives a, some meat to what is being sensed, male, female, both or neither. Mm -hmm. And in other definitions, this is just sort of presumed. Um, but what's going on here? Well, w what seems to be obvious is that this idea, this definition of gender identity is fit within a, a larger definitional equation that liberalism right. is putting right. forth. They're not just saying this is what this thing means. They're saying this is what this thing does. Mm -hmm. And if I could express it as just bluntly as possible, it's something like this. Um, gender identity in relation to your sex assignment at birth equals your gender. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's just break that down real quick. If I – what's sex assignment at birth? Well, it's um, what people say I am at birth. It's the it's a boy or the it's a girl right. or if, you know, maybe it's an intersex child. We do not know what this is. But the point is you have a assignment given to you. It's usually mm -hmm. spoken of pejoratively, uh, whether by doctors or by your parents. Okay. And it's just the biological observation. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not your gender in this in this model. Mm -hmm. uh, what a gender is is the relationship between this and then your gender identity, which is your felt sense, the mm -hmm. interior sense of this, which can be very different. So for instance, um, in its most basic formulation, you have something like this. If I'm a male as a sex assignment at birth, I've been given the sex assignment male at birth, and I uh, agree, as it were, in my gender identity with the sex assignment. So my, mm -hmm. my own identification, my psychological act matches what other people have said about me. Then I am the gender cisgender. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gender identity, sexual assignment at birth equals gender, right? If I have a gender identity that does not match that, 
I say I have a gender identity as female, I sense myself as female, then my gender is transgender, mm -hmm. trans woman, right? Um, and this is the basic liberal model. If this sounds oversimplistic and vague in some ways, I think it's important to realize that it is mm -hmm. uh, and that this is somewhat intentional. Again, the point of the liberal project is not to get at the truth. The point of the liberal project is it's a legal regime trying to manage bodies and lessen conflict within a society. Mm -hmm. So when it keeps its definitions vague, it's in some ways on purpose. Right. You, you really want everyone to be able to apply their own experience to the words given in the definition so that you don't end up excluding people. Mm -hmm. Above all, the point of these definitions is to create a world in which no one is excluded. And I think you can see that already, right? Because with mm -hmm. the transgender, cisgender thing, right? what has it done? Well, traditionally speaking, there has been, fr from this view, there's been a unfair hierarchy in which people who have this natural or, or claim to have this natural relation of their identity to their sexual assignment at birth and just say, I am a woman, I am a man, mm -hmm. um, are in fact having some kind of hierarchically higher position yeah, than other the, people. Yeah, they're the natural kind. And so if your identity comes out from this other way, then you're seen as like the queer, right. the, the not natural or the fake. But then when you put it into this definition, um, it's kind of like a scientific way of looking at it, going like, oh, like I, I can easily see and understand in a systematic way that this is just a, a process mm -hmm. and you could equally get this way or the other yeah, way you get different results so what that does is it ends up putting everyone on a on a neutral ground totally. like even if there are more cisgender people right um it doesn't particularly matter because we all get the gender that we have through the exact same process right right so it's again it's a quality before the law it's going down to something mm -hmm. that is sort of pre-gendered which is just to say Everyone's got a gender identity. Everyone has a sex assignment at birth, and there might be different results. But since these different results are just variations on a fundamental sameness, the sameness is what is important, and it's what yeah. can be governed. Because again, legal regimes, they need equality before the law. They have to be able to say, okay, we're going to treat you just like we treat you, just like we treat you. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Society's running. There's no tyrants. There's no one bigger than anyone else. And we're just chugging along here. Right. Does this work? I don't know. Look around the liberal world. Are we having fun? I don't think so. But oh well. What we what we do get is some problems because mm -hmm. once you strip that male female naturalness of any of its sort of now mythic ontological priority, and instead have it as just one possible result of a homogenous mechanical sort of um, social construction social construction system <laughs> uh, paired kind of, with biology, yeah. Where biology is, though, is well, – well, we'll get more into that. Um, the question I have in looking at this is, does it work? And mm -hmm. when I say does it work, I am – the only way to look at this – like it would be embarrassing and silly to look at this model and then come and say it's not true. Mm -hmm. This yep. is false. This is <laughs> There's something about gender that is prior, which is a given. I mean I, I do want to say things like that. But liberalism doesn't care. No. This would be – the equivalent would be like a Catholic or something looking at 
liberalism sort of you know neutral field mm-hmm. claim and saying the field is not neutral it's actually oriented towards christ or something it's not that you couldn't say that and even be right it's that no one cares no one cares yeah because that's not their project their project is the, the maintenance equality. of equality and, and there's mm-hmm. no concern for the truth so the only way to look at liberalism is on liberalism's terms yeah and to so say, when we say does it work it's does this work with reality that's not the question it's does this work in actually producing equality and neutrality exactly. does it achieve the goals that liberalism sets up for itself when it takes the mm-hmm. lgbt acronym and expands it and then it teaches in public schools that this is the way of thinking about the human person is it actually achieving equality in which every single gender identity and gender expression is equally treated equally represented within this model and in which there's no possible hierarchy of one or the other, and no one's excluded, right? right. So this this mm-hmm. is the other thing. Like the, the definition has to include everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to get gender this way, mm-hmm. right? Even if you're, you end up agender, you have to get agender through the, the uh, model right. uh, that's been established. If you don't, then it means that we don't really have equality before the law. We have some exactly. people who are being uh, undergoing some sort of um, – um, system in which they get their gender. And then we have other people who might even be getting their gender as something, let's say, natural. That'd be a huge problem for liberalism because suddenly you have another point of comparison in which one can be better than the other, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you get your gender through a gender identity plus sexual assignment at birth uh, equation. I get my gender from God, for instance, would be an obvious <laughs> way of um, you know, having another hierarchy, liberalism would have failed if that's where it ends up. Yeah, Makes but sense? I think we can back up a little bit sure. to where you begin in your dissertation. Yes. So when we're asking this question, does it work, we start running into some immediate problems. Yeah, so no, really. It's, what it's, are those? Okay, so so when, when we ask whether it works, we're just looking at the words they give. We're asking about the meaning of the words. We're asking about their relation within that equation we talked about. The first problem is this. If, if the definition of gender identity is one's innermost concept of self as male, female, a blend of both or neither, the first thing that we have to ask um, is what is meant by this innermost sense, this internal sense, this mm-hmm. psychological act, right? Because it's not clear and it could totally be possible that some people have it and some people don't. Mm-hmm. So to question what it is, it's like, well, there's some things that I think it just can't be, right. right? Like if by this internal sense of self, we mean an active, conscious, felt sense, like the way that if you see a mother weeping over her injured child, you would say she is sorrowful. She's actively having the mm-hmm. felt sense of sorrow. Um, it can't mean that. No, because I think everyone's general experience is that I'm not actively feeling feminine at every single moment. Yeah. So if you needed that to be the felt sense, well, then I would just stop being my gender according to this model whenever I stopped feeling that particular sense. Totally. You would Every time you fell asleep, it would no longer apply. So for instance, this would lead I to- I kind of like that idea. Well, That's yeah. <laughs> this would lead to legal absurdities, right? Like if it's a hate crime to hurt someone for being trans, then if you waited until they were sleeping to hurt them, <laughs> it would simply be a crime, not a hate crime. Which is just- so liberalism can't do that, yeah. right? So it's no, ridiculous. No, no. Yeah. And again, like not be, it's not ridiculous because it's not true. It's really ridiculous because it, it doesn't work. It leads to yeah. problems and it doesn't um at least like what I said, that like silly example of, of like hurting a sleeping trans person is like uh 
exactly the kind of loophole voluntarism yes. that mm-hmm. liberalism is setting out to avoid. Like you can't just use this system. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to really work to protect people. Yeah. So, which is so, good. I mean, I sound like critical, but I, I think that's liberalism doing its best. It's living its best life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think it's important to again remind people that when we're looking into well what is what do we mean by felt sense or what does liberalism mean by felt sense we're not investigating for the truth we're just trying to avoid the loopholes by which you could abuse the definition or exclude anyone yep so no truth here baby now the internal sense there's some other options i thought of well it can't really be an unconscious sense not to go into like a deep dive into what the unconscious means because i probably would do a bad job but Basically, the unconscious is not available in the same way our conscious, conscience, conscious life is. Well, it's because it's re- repressed. Right. It's essentially a lot of repressed objects that are are um, could not be the stable way in which people determine who they are. So I right. I, I don't know if, if I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it would seem that if if what we're talking about is a repressed sense, then I I would know my gender identity. I don't think so. No, or at so, least it would, it, would, it might come to you in dreams. Which would also be cool. Fascinating. That would change the um, – oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> then you might argue, okay, well, obviously, yeah, it's not an unconscious sense. It's conscious in some way, but it's um, a memory, right? So that's a, mm-hmm. that works well because it's a, it's a psychological act. Um, so it fits with gender identity as opposed to sexual assignment at birth. Um, you wouldn't have to be thinking about it actively right. all the time. But right, because you can say like I permanently in your psyche. Yeah, I remember being six. It doesn't mean like I only can say that's true every time I actively remember being six. Right, mm-hmm. I can I can access that memory. Um, but this leads to problems too, right? Because just as um, a person isn't necessarily bringing something actively to mind. In a similar sense, a person doesn't always keep their memories. Memories are, yes. are very losable. So you might take as a counterexample someone with Alzheimer's, right? Like they identify as trans on the basis of the relationship of their gender identity, mm-hmm. um, which is male, uh, to their sex assignment at birth, which is female. Um, but then their memory of this event of, of gender recognition, they lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be somewhat odd to then say, okay, since they've lost it, they no longer fit, they no longer have the gender. So you can now refer to them not as trans, but as say, cis. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me that a memory would be, would be insufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't think you could even, and, and the other, the other thing is it has to remain psychological, right? So you couldn't even say, well, okay, it's not the memory, but it's the event of gender recognition itself. Like that happened. It happened that that person identified in this way. So even if he doesn't remember it, then it's still going to be what gender identity is. That doesn't work at all because a historical event is not a psychological sense of self. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I can't say that as a psychological act, I'm going to talk about the event of first doing a backflip on a trampoline. It's like it's the memory of an event that's the psychological act. Doing the backflip on right. the trampoline is not is not going to work for gender identity. Okay, so so what is it? Well, I don't know. I think I do, but <laughs> what works, I think, is uh, something on more Aristotelian to oh, mystic right. lives mm-hmm. lines, which is um, habit. Habit, yeah, habit, and it has to be something like a habit. That's the only way I can see including everyone 
in this definition. It's not an active sense, um, but it's this disposition towards the performance of particular mental acts. So what we might express it is to say like, when I identify as this or that gender, I am disposed to identify in this or that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's not known or felt actively, um, but it's, it's rather deduced, right? So for instance, mm -hmm. a habit like courage, if I think you're courageous, I'm deducing it from your acts. So every time that the situation presents itself, you do the courageous thing. So I say you have a habit of courage. Mm -hmm. you, you consistently act courageously. Well, it's similar in that regard. Like every time that I sense myself, I sense myself as male. Mm -hmm. And this habit is my gender identity. It's a psychological act of sensing, but it's, it's more than that. It's the disposition to sense yourself in one way versus another. Is that fair? Right. Yeah. I, I think that's probably the most helpful one. Right. And it, it would, it would, it would solve like that original silly problem of if you're harming the unconscious transgender man, um, mm -hmm. you are still liable for a hate crime in that sense because he still has the habit because if he's asleep or not, he is still disposed to when he does sense sensing right. himself as uh, male in that regard. So, this solves that problem of active, of like the active conscious, but then it leads to, I think, other problems. Mm -hmm. um, and namely this, you know, if the way we normally determine habits is through the repetition of acts. So the way we, the way we understand you. Or even self-determine. Yeah. Yeah. Like the way mm -hmm. we experience it in ourselves is also that, okay, I'm disposed to this particular habit. Or rather, I'm disposed to this particular act. Therefore, I can deduce I have this particular habit. Mm -hmm. Like this is now something about my character. Right. But if you were to say, as a courageous person, perform a cowardly act, does this obliterate your courageous character? Now, in most instances, we would say no, right? Mm -hmm. Because you would say, you'd be inclined to say something like, oh, Maria acted against her courageous nature. She's mm -hmm. This is a slip. This is yep. a blip, right? And you would say... No, the, the, the character, the habit remains and we'll all hope and pray that she'll never do another cowardly act again. Me too. <laughs> yeah. You think that we're talking in a metaphor, but I have something I'm really, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so, okay. But this cannot work, right? For the, for the gender identity, right? Because if, if someone comes in the room and it I says, you know, I, have something to announce today and it's that I really experienced myself as a female even though prior to this their senses of self were as male and which everyone including them were deducing from their acts that they were had the gender identity male mm -hmm. nevertheless there seems to be something problematic about saying oh sorry you're this is just similar to like a cowardly um moment mm -hmm. uh in fact you're not your gender identity is still male despite this new um, experience. If you have it more times, maybe then we could see an alternative disposition, right? So within... But then you'd get this weird situation that you would have to build up enough um, like psychological felt sense experiences uh, to where your character actually changed into this new gender. So then... 
what are you in the meantime? Sure. Or even if you're going through this experience and um, like you, you were identifying as male and then eventually you start having felt sense experiences of being female um, and you're kind of having like this experience of, of both, even, even that isn't like a, a, a felt sense of being female because part of the, the felt sense of being female is like a, a permanent disposition. Yeah, totally. This is who I am. So you, you just run into like weird in between grounds. And at what point does it change from being a, a slip up in your right. normal felt experience disposition? And it's the actual real thing. Yeah. Like if you had 48 hours of sensing yourself as an alternative gender, Within this model, it'd be easy to say, well, it doesn't count compared to the quantitative amount of time you spent sensing yourself in some other way. Mm -hmm. But this seems to deny the validity of a person's gender identity until it proves itself. And, and what's interesting about this is it's actually a model that the state right. mm -hmm. took up for a little while. So you might call this the medical model or the transsexual model, where, and I think people recall this, that in order to get a sex change operation, it was necessary for you to prove to yourself and to others that you could live as this gender that you felt you were. Mm -hmm. And so you would have to do this, undergo this sort of liturgy, this ritual called passing, in which if you could do it for a certain amount of time, then the medical community would say, okay, you've sufficiently shown that you have this. I mean, they wouldn't describe it as such, but you essentially have this new habit. Mm -hmm. It's not just a slip up. It's a new disposition. I mean, Aquinas talks about this, that the only thing that what corrupts a habit is a, a habit going in the other direction, yeah, a new, new disposition. Habit. You are now disposed to simply have these acts. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons this come, came under fire and is kind of not even talked about today is that it puts, A, it puts other people in the position of describing what counts, like how much, yeah. how mm -hmm. much of a new disposition do you need for it to be valid? Right. Liberalism does not want this because it just puts other people authorities between the person and their individual realization. It yeah, it says, just puts your gender identity into the hands of this expert. And right. now they can tell me at what point I am I'm really a trans male. Yeah. It seems to me that the way out of this, if, if you wanted to improve the definition that liberalism mm -hmm. is giving and make it fit and not just end up in this category, would be to add something like one sense of self it was a habit, but we have a sense of what our habits are like. So what I mean is it's not necessarily the case that it's always quantitative, like it's just a certain am amount of actions, right? Like even if it was, I mean, in, in a drastic way, even if it was the first time you'd ever been cowardly, the the way in which you went about being cowardly could be a disposition to always only ever like be cowardly disposition. This, after this, that. This experience is so deep, informative, yeah. That now this is how I and we might not know it because we'd be like, well, I was one in a, in a million, but we would then come to know it because it would happen every time. But the mm -hmm. point is, it was already there. Right. So, I mean, one way I think about this is with like, if I'm solving a math problem, right? It's a psychological act, but it doesn't mean I can't do it in different ways. I can solve it by fluke. I can solve it by long practice. I can solve it by great difficulty. I can solve it by genius. I can solve it um, by circling a yeah <laughs> by guessing. Um, <laughs> The point is that, like, the actual quality of the um, of the psychological act can be different. And it seems to me like you would have to add something like this to the definition that, okay, it's a mental disposition mm -hmm. 
by which gender identity is a mental disposition by which one internally senses the self as male, female, a blend of both or neither, and then add a clause, and senses that this disposition is stable, mm -hmm. right? Like there has to be stability um, in the actual experience of it. Because um, that, that seems to be what identity is when, when you're searching for who you are, you're yeah. looking for the stable thing that's true mm -hmm. about me. Mm -hmm. I think it would work. I think it would really help the definition. Uh, it would bring, assumably it would bring everybody in. Okay. So the question Stability. is, does, does it? it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I mean, one of the big immediate problems with adding a stability clause is that there are certain gender identities which are by definition unstable. And what I want to focus on yes. here is mm -hmm. the uh, gender identity by gender. Um, and, I'm, and I'm taking most of my understanding from it from a, a paper entitled Alternating Gender Incongruity in, uh, published in 2012. But it's um, basically that you have a category in which, um, so by gender is a gender, to be clear. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the result of a certain gender identity and a sexual assignment of birth. Right. Um, so it's a part of the equation. It's part of the, it's the result of the equation, actually. Um, in which I can experience myself as male one day, I can experience myself as female the next day. Um, I can alternate right. between my gender identities. Right? Mm -hmm. So these can shift on me. Now, this leads to some problems, right? Because if we're saying that one must sense that the disposition is stable for it to validly fit within the definition, it would seem that neither gender identity by definition could be experienced as stable. I mean, if I experience mm -hmm. myself as male and I am within a pattern of experiencing myself as female tomorrow, then the one thing I could tell you for sure about my experience of myself as male is that it's not stable. Yeah. That it could mm -hmm. become female. Um, and this, this leads to a, a problem because what it would mean is that you do not, in fact, like if we take our definition and mm -hmm. we say, okay, we have to work with it, it would mean that you do not, in fact, have um, a gender identity in either case, right? What I'm saying is... Because there's nothing stable in either the experience of feeling yeah. male or female, the, the equation doesn't work, and so therefore you are excluded. Right. Or what would happen is maybe not excluded, but you would end up in an interesting category where you're, because remember, there's a, a gender identity as a sense of self as male, female, both or neither. Mm -hmm. You might be tempted to say that you experience yourself as both. And so that this experience leads you to the experience of by gender, but that doesn't quite work either, right? Because if the experience of being male includes within itself stability, Right. Mm -hmm. Let me put it this way. If someone comes up to me and says, you're a male? I say, yeah, I'm a male. I experience myself as male. They say, oh, I do too. What's it like for you? I say, you know, I like sports. He says, you know what it is for me? It's that tomorrow I might become female. I would say, wow, I don't think you're having the experience of being male that I'm having. Right? right. Now, I'm not trying to make a truth claim here, but it, it, what, I, what I mean to say is that you cannot claim that, he's, uh, that the bi-gender person is experiencing both maleness and femaleness if as part of the definition of the experience of maleness maleness is stable, stable right and for femaleness as well mm -hmm. right? and the reason why this is important is because uh we need an equation that everyone can go through and is intelligible on the other side right. so that we can all be 
equal. And so now you're in this situation where if you want to make the, well, some, that identity doesn't work in the equation. And so it's being produced in some other way, which means that there's not an equal thing that everyone yeah. goes through. Or, yeah, or you're just in the position of telling the bigender person they're wrong about what they're saying about themselves. Yeah. Because they're saying, okay, I experience myself as both. And then according to the definition as it's been given, it's like, nope, you experience yourself as neither. Mm -hmm. So you're more accurately called agender, not bigender. So, so this is what I mean when I say there's a failure of definition. It's when, because of the definition, you're in the position of telling someone they're wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And Um, liberalism can't do that. No, I mean, it's trying to include everyone. The only people it can say is wrong are the people that say the system is, doesn't work, right? Um, Because it has to maintain itself, obviously. Um, And and, and this, I think, the trouble, so so we're we're in a bind here, right? So if we scrap the condition of stability, um, then, and we, so we're we're not going to have that stable clause. Because I guess that would be an idea of a solution. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, we tried to add stability, but now it's excluding the bi-gender person and what they're saying. So Let's forget it. But right. But just, the problem that I'm I'm seeing yeah. is the problem of possible abuse. I mean, that's kind of why we were putting it there in the first place. Yep. Um, because then you could make really trivial claims yep. um, that, well, you know what? Today I'm, I'm, I'm sensing it this way. Um, and that affords me, I don't know, like social access to certain things. Um, sure. Or like, I mean, and I think it would work the other way, not just, uh, yes, I think. If there's no stability, then any fleeting experience of maleness would give you the fullness of gender. Right. But this leads to problems not even just from like a mal- – like it, yeah, it, it means that you can't exclude malicious people who want to use the system. Mm-hmm. But it also – you know, if you can imagine for yourself someone who's raised as a male and they develop a, a mental disposition, right, by oh, which yes. they sense yep. themselves as male, and then you begin to develop another sense of yourself as, as female – so they have this contrary disposition. You sense, and, and but you sense this stability, right, um, of you know, yourself as female. And so you transition. You undergo sex assignment, reassignment, change your na- name, you change your proper noun, uh, or you change your pronoun, and you live as she for mm-hmm. the next twenty years. Now, in this mode, I mean, people report this all the time that there are certain scenarios in which that felt mm. sense of self as male returns. I mean, right. it's relapses, memories, dreams, habitual modes of thinking. Like you might respond to your old name. You might not be yeah. have undergone surgery yet, for instance, or that's a different case. But um, there could also be the case of, you know, you experience yourself as your gender identity, but there's certain anatomical lived body experiences that are still to you, male, you appear unto, unto yourself as male. Um, and if we don't have a sort of stability clause, then and then the moment that um the moment a trans yeah, person experiences that they're yeah, no longer reverts. trans mm-hmm. they're they're now cis i mean if you think about it like this if it's if it's true that your gender identity is your sense of self as male and that it in combination with a male sexual assignment at birth equals being cisgender then the trans person that experiences themselves as male right. in this regard is cisgender to the degree that they do it so mm-hmm. it's and, and that seems to be just absurd Absurd, yeah, yeah. And, and really also problematic because it would mean that I could say, uh, yeah, you're not – you're actually cisgender, like to someone claiming to be transgender, mm-hmm. which again is just like contradicting people's 
if the whole point is that individuals are supposed to be able to go through this system in order to like liberate it from any kind of authoritating, authoritative declaration of who they are, they get to claim it for themselves. It just seems we're running into all these problems where it's like, actually, no, people can tell you because the definition is a definition right. that you're excluded from it. So um, we need the stability clause because otherwise we just run into massive problems. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. We have to have that. So we could try to argue that um, maybe there's some hope in looking at that word blend. There's, uh, you know, it's a male, gender identity is a sense of self as male, female, a blend of both, sometimes just said both, but a blend of both or neither. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe then we could say that what you're experiencing is in fact a blend of male and female somehow. Mm -hmm. So uh, this would exclude some people. It'd have to because at the very least, you'd have to say someone that doesn't experience bigenderism or gender fluidity or some or non or their their non-binary status, whatever it is, if they experience themselves as male and female, and want to say that that is the content of my gender identity, they're excluded. But maybe mm -hmm. for all those people that have this as a blend of both, where like um, male and female are. Uh, sort of in combination in somehow, mm -hmm. somehow, um, maybe then you could have it as uh, maybe it could work. Right. Uh, the problem here, it, there's a there's a sort of twofold problem that um, if you think about blends, it's a the the definition says that what we're talking about is a sense of ourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a whole global self, a unitary object. I am this thing. Gender identity is a sense of self. Now, if it can't be the case that you're sensing yourself as stably male and female, but you're sensing this blend as being yourself, then the problem is because neither male nor female can be experienced as blended because male is an experience whole, distinct, and entire, Right. Um, then you actually you you lose what it means to talk about experiencing yourself as a blend of male and female. Because you, now it's this other thing. It's this other thing. Mm -hmm. Maleness is not maleness if it is blended with female. Femaleness right. is not female if it is blended with male. Um, mm -hmm. So, but if you argue that, okay, but I just am experiencing myself in some respects as male and in some other respect as female, I think you could do that, but then you're again outside of the definition. Remember, mm -hmm. The self is the object of the definition, I my sense of self. But now we're adding something new. So everyone else has an experience of their sense of self as being this way. But right, the, it's this, this whole and entire unified thing. Mm -hmm. But these people are experiencing their, their self in some sense as this and in some sense as that. Mm -hmm. And so now, now the sense of self is split. Right, totally. So you might, I mean, you could think of any kind of example. I and, and I do think people do, in fact, sometimes express it this way. I experience uh, myself as sort of aesthetically female, but biologically male. I experience myself as, or even the, even the bigender temporal, temporal distinction, which mm -hmm. is like today male, maybe tomorrow female, mm -hmm. now male, then female, um, that this experience is taking the self in different senses. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So it's no longer the same definition you would have to add to it. Um, does that make sense? That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. Makes I'm sense. That... Yeah, no, no, no. I, I... 
yeah, I'm trying to think of a, a way to make that more clear. Well, I think taking the self in two senses, it, it saves this bi-gender category from contradiction, but um, it ultimately leads to a need for a real change in the definition. Mm -hmm. Because if by sense of self, if when I say a psychological sense of self, it's different from what you mean by a psychological right. sense of self, then we're using two different definitions or yeah. two different equations really yeah. to come up with our gender. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is problematic because we need everyone to be able to make sense of like the same way right. so that we end up being equal. equal. But if you're evaluating your sense of self in a different way, then then we can't. Yeah. And there's one other, like this might be an objection that, well, why can't they just sense themselves as by gender? So what I mean is like, okay, we can see the problems with male and female if they're going to be distinct in the definition, but suddenly they're not distinct within the, um, within the actual experience. Uh, but the point is the by gender person experiences themselves as by gender. Like right. that, whatever it is, the alternating between male and female, that thing is my gender identity. But that, again, is totally contrary to the definition. Remember, it's mm -hmm. part of an equation in which your sexual assignment at birth plus your gender identity, whatever that is, equals by gender. Namely, by gender is your gender. It's the result of the equation. Right. You can't simply take that thing and shove it into the gender identity category. Exactly. So mm -hmm. you don't have a sense of, and you can imagine this, right? If if someone said like, I have a sense of myself as by gender, you would ask, what is that? And then they would say, well, it's a sense of self as male and female or a blend of male or a blend of female uh, or a blend of male and female or, or whatever. But the point is they wouldn't really say I'm sensing myself as by gender. They're saying because I sense myself in this way, I equal by gender. Right. I can identify as by gender. I have security and stability and a definition of myself, which I call by gender. But the point is, again, they would be achieving their gender, if this was true, in a way that's totally contrary to the way everyone else is. Because mm -hmm. they would just be saying, my gender identity already is my gender. Right. I think that I'm, I sense myself as by gender. And that's all they're saying. Right, right. Which, of course, has the same problem. It's you're no longer equal before the law. You're doing something entirely different. And um, the attempt to have a, a logical system in which everyone fits has failed. And I, I don't I don't know if it's worth going back to because I I remember you talking about this at some point or maybe I'm jumping ahead I don't remember um, the bi-gender person would would have if we if we wanted to be consistent with the definition remember that it's always being paired with um, your sex assigned at birth yeah it's hard to get bi-gender as the product of that equation because according to the definition if you have this uh, alternating felt sense experience sometimes you're not by gender it's sometimes you're cis totally and sometimes you're trans no this yes this is a huge problem mm -hmm. yeah you're totally right um if you were assigned male at birth and your gender identity is an alternation between the two every time your gender identity was male you would be cisgender yep but that's mm -hmm. a total paradox because then you can't be bi gender if you're cisgender exactly. and this actually applies to any um kind of attempt at containing a duality within. So uh, people talk about, you know, a gender like two-spirit, a gender like um, gender fluid, um, often versions of non-conforming or, or non-binary. Like, you know, these these things, it depends on what people bring to them, what, what they really mean by them. Mm -hmm. But at every case, 
you can't have a definition of cisgender being a match between the two and then have people who are often matching and not have them be cisgender during that time. Like you right. have to pick. Um, so this is a total, this is a total like loophole. Loophole. It's a total wasteland. Um, it's not going to work. Okay. So what you could do <laughs> is change the definition. And I, and I should be honest, like liberal states, governors, people that make laws, whoever you are, uh, you have to now, like based on what we've discussed, you have to change it. You have you to, have change to the take care of the loopholes. Yeah. Um, it, it's not, we, we understand that in an effort to maintain the peace, you're keeping everything as vague as possible. But what is ultimately experienced within this um, growing up within a liberal state with its um, sort of LGBT model of expressing itself to us is that the conflicts inevitably come up. Mm-hmm. So at first, it's like when you receive it in school, you're receiving it in the basic mode of someone who's receiving a truth. You know, the the you're not um, enlightened as to this being like just a managerial technique for deciding which bodies can go where and who can sue whom. You are um, like the rest of your classes. You're just assuming I am receiving the truth from an authority. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you do. Um, but what happens is it's so vague that. I might be having uh, one interpretation of what gender identity is, and you might be having another. And because we can both assent to a vague definition, we can both be together. Yeah, it appears that the conflict has resolved, but I think especially as we see uh, in fighting within queer theory, it's yeah. it's evident that not everything is going to be as peaceable as what no, we thought I mean, the vague it's an, definitions It's an absolute be. meltdown out there. And it's because <laughs> I, I really think it's more of a meltdown than it than it needs to be because we're going off of this, um, you know, we're going off of this presumption of that we were in the same boat. And that's mm-hmm. always worse yeah. to end up in conflict with the people you're in a boat with. Because <laughs> you're in a boat together. You're stuck. Ugh. All right. Okay, well, so how can we solve text. this? So here, that, I, that was just to say that, you know, I think we can solve this, but you would have to obliterate your definition um, where it simply has the self as the object of um, gender identity, the thing being sensed. Um, and you would have to add, okay, maybe it's a sense of the self as male, female, um, or, or neither, um, or it's by which you internally sense the self in some respect as male or in some respect as female. And again, sense that this disposition is, is stable. So for some people, uh, the respect in which they sense the self is a, a, a very particular part of them, maybe mm. emotionally or psychologically or biologically. But for other people, that sense of self would be a whole and entire experience. And so that way, the definition is inclusive. We've, we've awesome. just literally said there's there's a contradiction here, but we're going to include them both in the same definition. So, yep. um, But this leads to another problem of, I think we've kind of mentioned it, of um, uh, trivialness, right? Because yes. we just said that, okay, to make the definition work, you have to have uh, in some respects mm-hmm. male, in some respects female. So the question obviously comes up, in what respects? Right. Uh, and this leads to some some difficulties because what if it's you know, what if I am otherwise a cisgender male, and then I have the gender identity female in one respect, namely that um, one time in '96 someone thought I was a girl, or uh, I I would prefer to have a small dog rather than a large dog. You might be like, whoa, buddy, that's not what makes females females. Yep. I'd be like, 
okay, short, but who are you to say that? My particular, I can sense any particular part of myself as female versus male. Mm -hmm. So who are you to say that this particular part that I choose somehow means that I can't be by gender and thereby have access to queer spaces Mm -hmm. just because it happens to be my penchant for owning small dogs. It's like, I mean, maybe if you want to be an authority here, but then we're right back to the end of liberalism. We have someone who's telling us what counts as gender and, and what doesn't, right? Right. Um, so let's say if it's no longer a requirement that one sense the self, that you sense the self in a single unitary and global respect, what is to prevent anyone from claiming access to any gender category on the basis of a sense of self that we would prudentially consider to be trivial? So either you, you run into an ab- absurd situation, like I identify as female because I have a small dog. Like right. Don't really. Okay, sure. Um, or you would run into the other situation, which liberalism is really trying to avoid, which is the prevention of abuse of that system. Sure. Um, because maybe I experience myself as male, but then when I'm in front of two bathroom doors, I sense myself as being female. Right. And that's, that's the respect in which I sense myself as being female. That's obviously a loophole. Right. And you might say, and I feel like people will immediately be like, whoa, but obviously this is like not sincere. Right. Mm-hmm. But the, the point is, when we just talk about a particular sense of ourself, why can't that part be an insincere part? Mm-hmm. Like there's no clause for it being the right, for the right reasons. Or how is, how is the liberal regime supposed to judge in those cases? We want to prevent insincerity, but how, how is it that the state can determine that? Yeah, no, it's a bind. But it's not just... It's not just the kind of um, fear of like a malicious use of the law, which is supposed to protect people for the sake of hurting people. That is real. And that comes with trivial senses being possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also like, wouldn't we be in the position of contradicting, say, a transgender woman who claims to have the gender identity as, as female? I mean, we talked about this before. If mm-hmm. in some minuscule respect she retains a sense of herself as male. Remember, it can just be a part of yourself. Mm -hmm. So say that, okay, I say I'm a trans woman, um, but in this one, I haven't undergone the fullness of of my operation, so in this one part of my live body experience, I still sense myself as male. Mm -hmm. Well, then by the definition we've given, I am not a trans woman. I am a bi-gender person. Namely, I'm someone who senses myself in two senses. (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. Male and female. And then liberalism is in the position of telling someone, well, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're actually bi-gender. Sorry. You can't come to the transgender club meeting. You have to go to the bi-gender club meeting, mm-hmm. which is what we're trying to avoid here, right? So, yeah, I mean, we got some, we've got some really big problems with the definition. It's not to say, and we should be clear here, that with adding more clauses, you couldn't come to possible solutions. Like, for instance, you could, all right, let's buckle down and say what constitutes a trivial cause or not, which I think we want to go into a little bit. Um, But it is to say that from the outset, even if there is an ideal definition, which would inevitably be a very lengthy definition, it certainly did end up that way in my best attempt in my dissertation to, like, create a definition that would really work. Um, Even if it's possible as an ideal, it's certainly not what we have now. Right, right. So in this sense, the liberal model is a source of conflict and not a resolution. Yeah, practically speaking, right now. So, okay, where, where to next? I mean, 
it seems like you would have to say. <sighs> because we're, we're, we're dealing with yeah. the problem of trivial senses. Yeah. So one way, I think, I don't, I don't know if this is where we want to go next, but one way of dealing with the trivial sense of self, is this, is this where you talk about consent or do we get that later down the line? Well, I think what we really need to bring up is something kind of missing from the equation. And this might feel like a bit of a jump, but we need to talk about constructionism. Constructionism. Yes. Let's just agree to call it constructionism because I'm okay. sure it could be other things. <laughs> constructionism and essentialism. Right. Because we've been kind of ignoring this, I think. Mm -hmm. well, I guess it, to, to remind people of what that is and what yeah. we're talking about, we've, we've already encountered this problem before with Judith Butler and queer theory. Um, and it's kind of one of the academic debates going mm -hmm. on. And that is whether or not uh, identity is real. There's some essence to me. Yeah. I really am a woman or I am by gender. Or right. whether all of it is social construction. Right. Yeah. So one way to put it is the distinction between being and appearance. So for the essentialist, mm -hmm. um, you think you are something. That is a truth about you. Truth about your being. And I, I do think that most people are essentialists. Yeah. Um, until Keyword they... being true. Yeah. 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 Um, but for the constructionist, it is simply a way in which you appear. Right? So... Mm -hmm. So, and we've seen this in Judith Butler. This is why when, when, when you get the kind of happy-go-lucky liberal LGBT thing, it, it kind of wants to appropriate Butler and say, we're best buddies. You're kind of doing the work out there in the academy. But then it actually reads and says, oh, you don't like me too much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's basically saying like, no, no, no. You say you are transgender. Mm -hmm. But in fact, all you can really say is that you appear as transgender unto yourself. Mm -hmm. That there's a certain social construct. It's not a truth about your being. You don't have any access to that. Um, you just have an appearance. The way matter has essentially been constructed by social power to appear. So I, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but if we go back to the gender equation, we're looking at a problem on the other side. What What is gender? Sure. Is gender, is, is this an essence? Is this an identity? Is that something real? Or is the product a social construct? Yeah, and, and you can see how this is a problem with for liberalism, right? Because if if the claim to have a again a, a deeply felt, experienced sense of being male, where you understand being male to really indicate what it seems to indicate a category of existence, um, if th this claim would insult and exclude all those who claim to have a deeply felt and experienced sense of being male where they understand this being male is simply meaning appearing. Mm -hmm. Appearing as male according to a certain psychosocial, uh, I'm reading myself here, a certain psychosocial <laughs> and a cultural interpretation of the human being, right? So the, the, the essentialists implicitly claim that the constructionists do not have as deep an experience for it'll never go as far as this is your nature. This is who you are. Mm -hmm. Coterminous with I, I am right. this or that. Um, cause so, so they don't, there's an insult there that you're not actually having the deep experience that I'm having of gender. And then the constructionists are implicitly claiming that the essentialists are just wrong. So they're saying yeah. <laughs> there is no natural state of being male. There's a cultural trope imposed on the body. If you think that it is, it's because you're fooled. Yeah, so um, I, I guess I was a little bit wrong in saying that the way that I did, there's really a problem on both sides of the equation. Sure. So one is dependent on a 
felt sense of a truth about my identity and that will produce a gender that is real. And the other felt sense is a felt sense of an appearance. Mm -hmm. And that felt sense includes the fact that I, I'm not feeling that I am this way, that it's just an appearance unto myself. And so that produces a social construct. So really we have like two parallel definitions or two, two equations. Um, and then you, you run into the same problem that we've seen before. Not everyone's going through the same equation totally. to get this this equal possibility of gender. Yeah, and, and it's like every single gender outcome is actually split between its constructionist and essentialist adherence. So we right. say, mm-hmm. okay, there's transgender persons, but what we must mean is that there are essentialist transgender persons and there are constructionist transgender persons, right? And this is actually where real conflict comes right. from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's all fun and games until you realize that the one person says that when I say I'm a transgender male, I mean it. I am a man. I always was a man, right? This is a matter of being. Yes. Yeah. And then the other person who says I'm troubling the, the binary gender by identifying this way, I do appear unto myself as this way, but I am in no way saying that I am this as some kind of ontological claim. Mm-hmm. But here, here's the real, I mean, it gets really interesting, right? Because there, the solution, this isn't something that's going to be resolved by simply um, more clauses because it's it goes right down to the heart of it. Like you either believe one thing or the other, it seems mm-hmm. to me. But the solution is obviously weighted on the side of constructionism, not essentialism. Right. What I mean by that is there's something that you can say about both constructionism and essentialism that can kind of lump them under one tent. So what I mean is this. If I say I am female, it is also true that I appear unto myself as female. Right. Okay. So I have both the being and the appearance. Mm-hmm. Now, the constructionist who disagrees that I am female can nevertheless agree that I appear unto myself as female. So there is a point of agreement, but it's entirely on the constructionist's field. Mm-hmm. Right. So they can say essentially, yeah, we can keep this model. And the constructionist is the one that understands that the only sort of valid outcome is the appearance every time. But then we have to say, okay, well, maybe we can sort of make the model work that way because, you know, whether you're essentialist or constructionist, the point is at the end of the day, you appear into yourself as female in one case or the other. This is the thing that's shared between them both. So we can use that in order to include them both. But nevertheless, it does create this, this problem of hierarchy. Right. Which is that, to my mind, it is impossible to look at this situation, which is, I'm not, this is not theoretical. This is the situation mm-hmm. right now that the liberal identity model has sort of produced and not say that we are, we actually have a hierarchy of um, people that have a better understanding and people who have worse understanding. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like, oh, essentialists and constructions can be included on the same roof. It's like, no, they can be included under the same roof if we pat the essentialists on the head <laughs> and say, yeah, stupid kid, like you think you really are this thing one day, maybe you'll learn, maybe you won't. But the point is we can kind of agree on on the words we're using. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's, that is what you see. It's uh, the, the intellectual academic elite, the people who can have those constructualists conversations and have come to this conclusion and then what everyone is being is taking part of in in kind of the popular level is this belief in real identity Mm -hmm. and so 
yeah, you have this disconnect between the intellectual elite and then the populace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that and that is again, like if you just think about liberalism's goals, we're just talking about a failure here. Mm -hmm. Like the point is for everyone to be the same, not for everyone to think they're the same, but ultimately one person is um, better than the other, smarter than the other. Um, and I think that you see this in other in other ways in um, other Gnostic um, formats, which I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but basically that that model in which there are some people that know, that have an access to the truth, mm -hmm. and which there's other people who don't know, but they're not simply rejected from the system, but tolerated as sort of mythic believers. Like they understand by symbols and pictures and sort of bad analogies what we understand in itself. This is mm -hmm. a very common, I mean, it's kind of cultish, but it's a very common uh, human sort of edifice because a way of organizing human behavior is to have the knowers and the people who don't not know, but don't know correctly and so are tolerated by the mm -hmm. knowers. This is basically a scientific society um, where the scientific class is sort of priestly. And I, and I think you do see this within the academy. It's a popular, like if you look at those two discourses, mm -hmm. um, yeah, everyone's yeah. everyone's kind of believing the same thing, but for different reasons. Yeah. But the reasons themselves create an elite class. Right. Yeah. And and this is where there's there's you know, okay, so maybe that's maybe that's the case and maybe we just have to suck it up. Because I guess there's a there's a certain response that liberals often give to these sorts of critiques, which is like, look, we know it doesn't work, but it's better than the alternative so it's like okay yeah this is terrible but what do you want like people killing trans people because they think they're better than them or something like that no mm -hmm. so just accept the definition and move on right um and that is consistent because they're not concerned with truth so why not accept right. a definition that that doesn't work well it works a little bit and so that's that's sufficient um but i but i do think it leads to okay including this does lead to all sorts of other problems. And I think we need to kind of go through them. Um, because, you know, one, one of the biggest things is if it's true, then that the gender identity definition has to take appearance over being, um, the question becomes, why then are we continuing to value our sense of self over our sexual assignment at birth? You can start to see why this becomes a problem. The presupposition this whole time has been that these two things kind of exist in relation, but ultimately it's my gender identity that determines me oh, in one I way see. or the yeah. other. Um, mm -hmm. So, so the point, like, and, and when we like the, really, the reason yeah. why the reason why we want to use this definition and the reason why the felt sense has somehow become more so important to us is because felt sense is connected with a sense of identity. Mm -hmm. And then when identity is thrown out and it's just appearance, appearance of an identity, yeah. if it's not actually connected to identity in some way, if it's not connected to some truth about myself, then why one over the other? Yeah, like you can see if, it, if essentialism were true, and that's all we were talking about, you could see how you could get out of problems of trivial senses, right? So for instance, mm -hmm. um, or no, you can see how, okay, so let, <laughs> let's back up a little. So if you have like, um, if you have an appearance, you cannot want to have the appearance you have unto yourself. Okay, 
So what I mean, well, what about the person who has a deeply felt sense of themselves as female, but through study has come to believe that this sense is a violent construction. It's been externally imposed. So I was sex assigned at birth. It's not just a neutral fact that then my gender identity just sort of like, do, 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 and now I'm going to oppose it. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. My sexual assignment at birth has got to be what produces the appearance in me as this or that identity. It's like, it's not just, oh, your doctors happen to say something. It's like at every moment, you're a daughter, you're a she, you're wearing these clothes, you're in this culture. Like the your appearance unto yourself mm-hmm. is not somehow radically opposed to, to sexual assignment as right. if it could simply, it, it very well could be described as the result of your sexual assignment at birth. In fact, that's what the whole point of casting shade on sex assignment is, is that Mm -hmm. it's producing a gender identity that's somehow inauthentic. So within the constructionist position, there's this problem, Mm -hmm. which is that it's not clear why sex assignment is so bad or gender identity is so good. Or to put it another way, why gender identity always trumps sex assignment at birth when they're in conflict. Because that is the model. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like if if I sense myself as female, my sex assignment at birth is male, what do I end up as? I end up as a trans female, right? So the gender identity wins. And this makes a total intuitive sense to us, I think, because we live within liberal societies. It's like, well, right, if it proceeds from the self, it must be better and mm-hmm. more accurate because you have more access to the self in some way mm-hmm. than others, right? But the constructionist position actually calls that very presumption into question, which is why I think at the end of the day, I mean, the queer theorists are not liberals. Like, <laughs> they are very anti-liberal. I mean, even in gender trouble, Butler oh, yeah, critiques she's... liberals by mm-hmm. name. Um, so, okay. So what do I mean by this problem though? Okay. Well, say that, that okay, it's just an appearance of myself. It, it's obvious that I can, my gender identity can be as much a sort of manipulated, produced appearance as sex assignment at birth. In fact, the whole point right. is is mm-hmm. that's where most gender identity comes from. Exactly. Right? So it's like, okay, they say I'm a male at birth, and then I am inaugurated into this whole social construct in which it becomes more and more likely that I appear unto myself as male. Mm-hmm. That appearance of myself as being male, which is supposed to make me cisgender, right? Because I appear unto myself as male, that's my gender identity, and that's in relation to the sex assignment at birth it isn't clear why this is going to be any, why this should be valued any more than the sex assignment at birth. Especially because at least in that particular instance, what you are doing is prioritizing the one over the other. Right. Totally. I mean, imagine this is sort of a a silly thought experiment. So if, if when I came out of the womb, a whole bunch of doctors, my parents, guardians, they all labeled me as a God at birth. Awesome. I was subsequently, I'm going to internalize like how I appeared to them as a God or how they constructed me to appear. I'm going to internalize that. I'm going to internalize being a God as a fact about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I might, so I have the identity of God, <laughs> a God, mm-hmm. uh, but then I might later reason there are no gods. Okay. So, nevertheless, I can have that intellectual reasoning. Mm-hmm. And still persist in in exactly the way liberalism describes gender identity. I could have a deeply felt internal and individual experience of myself as a god, despite intellectually repudiating this feeling as being, in actual fact, mm-hmm. nothing more than a feeling of an appearance. Right. right? Okay. I've been constructed in this way. I might violently rebel against it. I don't want to be constructed in this way. Right. My internal sense 
itself, it wouldn't be uh, related to some kind of state of affairs that obtains in the world. It wouldn't be true. I'm not saying it, there's no essentialism here. I'm not saying I'm a God is a true fact about myself, but it's there as, you know, a persistent fantasy or a bad habit of mind, you might even call it. Um, so to put it simply, how can we argue that gender identity, to, to take out the God example and just put in female, male, both, neither, mm -hmm. how can we argue that this sense of self has greater weight than sex assignment at birth while arguing that gender identity is at least very often the internalization of one's sex assignment at birth? I mean, mm -hmm. this seems to be a contradiction. If And I think that, okay, so imagine if my internal sense is that I'm female and that this is the result of being assigned as female, then my internal sense is only as good as my assignment, which is no good at all, according to constructionism. And, so, I, and I think this could have like real victims to it. I mean, imagine, imagine a person who intellectually repudiates his sense of self as being male, who reads Butler, who reads, mm -hmm. you know, goes through the whole program here and says, okay, I am, I am not a male. Um, and so but I'm going to identify as non-binary. Okay, that's going to be my, my identity. I'm non-binary. Maybe I'm agender, but he picks something in order to indicate that that the the male thing is wrong. Right. <laughs> Gender is just a social construct. The body is this pre-discursive thing that I can't understand. Um, nevertheless, your internal sense of self as male might persist. Remember we talked mm -hmm. about like responding to a male address, like a name that someone calls out and you respond to it or a sense of like a habitual, you know, you're not always doing queer theory. You might just be hanging out and maybe you have a habitual sense of yourself as male. Um, the, the point is you would be in the same position of saying that um, you are in fact cisgender, like the non-binary person is cisgender, um, mm -hmm. right? Because the appearance unto himself is matching the sex assignment at birth, even though he knows and would say that, um, it's not real. It's just an appearance. I reject it. I repudiate it. Right. right. So the gender mm -hmm. identity definition doesn't really leave like room for, for that sort of people. It, it would also exclude people who were raised in what they considered to be the wrong sex. I mean, I think this is a more common um, experience. Mm -hmm. You have a deeply felt experience of being that wrong sex. I mean, that could happen um, despite believing it to be a violent imposition of a social construct into your psyche over and against you, what you take to be some kind of metaphysical truth. Right. About so yourself. like a continued felt sense of, uh, being a woman mm -hmm. and being angry about this because this was something that was thrust upon me. And yeah. I know it's, it's not speaking something about my actual identity, but because of this social construction that I have like integrated into, my psyche, right. um, I now have this experience that's maybe stable, but I don't, I don't want to have it. Yeah. Like I, I know it's not an identity. I don't want to feel like it's my identity. Right. And we don't have the essentialist way out because the essentialist way out is pretty simple. It says like, okay, I appear unto myself as this way, but I know a truth about my being. Mm -hmm. Okay. I might feel like a man right now, but I am not a man. I am a woman. So mm -hmm. the, the, the comparison can be made because you're saying, look, Psychology changes. We have hallucinations. We have bad habits. We have uh, delusions. Um, but, mm -hmm. but the distinction between being and appearance—I'm going to assert that and say I know I am a man despite appearing unto myself as a woman, or however it plays out. But the point is, if we've just knocked out the essentialist position, that no longer works. Right. You don't have the grounds by which to repudiate. Like, what grounds are you saying that you are really this thing and not the other? If all you have is appearances. The thing that you appear unto yourself as is, is simply what you are. You, all you can say is, I don't like this appearance. 
Mm-hmm. But then you end up in back into this voluntaristic loophole heavy place because if all we're saying is, well, people appear unto themselves in different ways and they can decide whether they want to or not, then what's to stop the cisgender man who appears unto himself as male from saying, yeah, I don't want that. I reject that. I repudiate that. All it is is an appearance constructed in me by this whole regime. So yes, I would like to go into this locker room or whatever because, uh, you know, it's it's just an appearance, mm-hmm. not because there's any reference to being, but just because there's no clear reason why sex assignment at birth is trumped by gender identity. Yeah, it, it opens up the door for I don't know. Uh, it, it it opens up the the door for the the loophole being integrated into the system. If that sure. makes sense. I don't know if that's a good way of of you have to putting explain it. more. I'm not sure. Um, if 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 that's our if that's our new definition if we want to put constructionalism over essentialism then if we do prioritize that then you run into uh, a situation where like you being sincere cannot be a part of the equation at all sure because yeah. it's it's just all appearances yeah yeah. And I think that's what people, I mean, that's what we want to avoid. Yeah. That's what liberalism wants to avoid is insincere people using the system. But if that's precisely what the system is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one of the ways that, you know, people try to get out of this is by making gender a, a kind of social category so that what I mean is, okay, we want to have an identity of myself as female. But when we say this has to come from the self, we don't want to say that we're just appearing to ourselves in this particular way because that very well may be something that we would repudiate, right? Mm -hmm. So they want to place a kind of another clause within the definition that says that there's some act of the will whereby I identify myself with this social group of people called female or this social group of people called male, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's a lot of problems with this, but you can see why people are thinking this way because they're running into the same problems we are. Right. Um, one of the big problems is just that it excludes the entire world that hasn't heard of the LGBT liberal model, mm-hmm. right? Like what I mean to say is if it's the case that what gives someone their gender is an act of identification with, say, like a male or a female social category, then if they don't make that act of identification, which I would say is, in fact, where most people from most human history are, Mm -hmm. then they aren't actually attaining their gender. You would have to make some kind of argument that, oh, well, everyone is always making this identification, you know, whether they would or not. And the other problem is that, you know, the way that we understand the words female or male are obviously a kind of sex assignment of others. So what I mean is this. If you want to say, mm-hmm. okay, you're, you, what's really happening is that, okay, you have this appearance unto yourself. Maybe you don't like that. You have the sex assignment given by others. Maybe you don't like that. But there's some core 
of you that's going to just decide for yourself that you belong to this thing called female or this thing called male or this thing called by gender. So it's mm -hmm. really changing the definition and trying to go for something different. Like it is an act of a will. Maybe it needs all of these caveats on what makes that a non-trivial thing. But the point mm -hmm. is we can't simply have a scientific definition where we all pass through a sort of equation unknowingly. We have to have an actual moment of like I identify with these people. And I think this is becoming more and more part of our parlance. Like what do you identify as is increasingly mm -hmm. referring to an actual act of identification yeah. as opposed to simply saying, well, what, what does the equation result in? Right. Mm -hmm. But the problem with this is that, okay, if we're trying to take as our presupposition that it really should come from us, mm -hmm that the reason that we can say, well, I'm a female is because I categorize myself as female. The problem comes in in where we get the category female. Right, because, or the content for the category. Right, where do we get the content? Um, because obviously it would be somewhat weird if the way we got the content for the category is by looking out there and saying, okay, all of these people are female and I belong to this group. The reason being that you are assigning sex to a group of people. Right. So in your case, sexual assignment is something that's lower and that you really should identify yourself in and through an act of like that comes from the self, not from others. Mm -hmm. But in other people's case, well, they get their, uh, their definite assignment through you, through uh, a determination of... I think that all of these beings who basically act this way and dress this way, I, I think of them as female and I belong to them, mm -hmm. right? So, okay, well, this is a huge problem, right? You can't, you can't go about saying that sex assignment for you, but gender identity for me. But that's the situation most people are in, I think, because right. they want to say something about themselves, identify this despite what you might think. But the only way they get to a, have content for what they identify as is by applying the very rules that they do not apply to themselves. Namely, I, I assign you to the sex and that's what you are. And thereby there's this stable category of female that I can know and then be a part of. The, the, the answer is, is odd. It's an, it's an odd one, right? Because the only way you could get around this is to only categorize as people belonging to the category female those people that themselves make an act of identification and say, I belong to the social category of female. I mean, mm -hmm. it's very odd how close we're getting to like liberal foundational myths, right? That we're all like mutually just agreeing uh, to to sort of be in harmony within a gender category. That seems to be like where a lot of the the thought is going. But th this doesn't solve the problem. I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that it does. It's like first of all, the problem is that that world problem we have, which is only Western wealthy university students ever identify themselves, seems to me, mm -hmm. ever positively identify themselves as belonging to this or that category of mm -hmm. male or female, right? This is not some kind of, we can't even pretend this is like a natural scientific phenomenon the way that we were kind of doing with the, with the gender identity sort of equation. Right. But the other problem is that we're just kicking the can down the road. I mean, if I say, okay, I have this felt sense of self as female, by which I mean I categorize myself as belonging to this social category I call female. And how do I know that social category? Well, I know that those people do the same thing. They identify as female 
themselves, it kicks the can down the road because you have to ask, okay, well, how are they identifying themselves? Mm-hmm. Are, are like at some point, someone has to be sex assigned. At some point, right. someone has to say, all right, if we're going to have a social category, that person is a female and I belong to that category. Because you can't simply investigate people's own individual identifications all the way down. Not only is it actually impossible, mm-hmm. it's also, it, it is totally unclear how you would ever get a category of female if what it really was was just identifications with the category female. Like there's no content there. You might mm-hmm. as well have the letter X, right? I identify as X, by which I mean I belong to a category of people that also identify as X. And how do they get their identity as X by doing the same thing I did? Like there's no need for it to be female or male or neither or both or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you end up in this very, I think, very trippy <laughs> kind of world Um because it's just it doesn't seem to be the case that the self has this kind of can have this kind of priority over others mm-hmm. without also asserting it over them in d- determining its the categories that it wants to identify with. So I I don't know if this is exactly what you're getting at, but in order for uh the western elite to be liberated into their identity yeah. by choosing to identify themselves with this category yeah. um, that kind of pre-exists them yep. in some way. Mm-hmm. We're not even asking the question of truth. We just know that at some point, that category is parasitic on people who have been sex assigned. Yes. So right. at some point, at the bottom, we are like, we have to use or be parasites on on the dumb people who have just accepted sex assignment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean if you're going and it doesn't matter if you're saying I'm male, I'm female, I'm both male and female, I'm neither male nor female, which obviously neither male nor female female doesn't mean you're a semi truck, it means you're like male and female in some way in order to have the negation. I sound Hegelian whenever I say that, but <laughs> I think it's true. Um, yeah, at some point you're relying on the stability of these categories to exist, and the stability of these categories can't exist from the same method you're using, because mm-hmm. then it would never come into being. You so, have to rely on people that just take their sex as natural, that say, oh, I'm a man or I'm a woman, in order for the entire edifice of gender identity to work. So your liberation, in other words, depends on a subclass. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on the consistent provision of a um, binary um, by people that don't get their gender identities in the way that you do or don't get their genders in the way that you do. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this might sound like kind of bizarre or out there, but I actually think this is people's normal relationship to the gender identity model. What I mean is this, like what ought to happen if, if we were actually going to like implement the gender identity model Mm -hmm. is that every single gender declaration of a child being this or that thing should be held in suspense until we know the relationship of their developed gender identity to their sex assignment at birth, right? Mm -hmm. So when someone says, it's a boy, you say, oh, great sex assignment. We'll (laughs) see what's going to happen. You got to wait. Who knows? And the thing is, you're always waiting. You can never declare it because even if they do say, oh, well, I'm actually a female, you celebrate that, but then they might, you know, who's to say that that's it? Yeah. Okay, so what should happen is that there should be a radical difference in society that accepts this. Like if you have any kind of um, 
sort of basic public school acceptance of like, yeah, this is basically how we're going to view the world, then every time there is an unclarity as to the relationship between gender identity and sex assignment, you should be completely prescinding from judgment about that person really being a gender or not. Mm -hmm. What actually happens? That's not what actually like happens. socially, yeah. Yeah, no, what off. actually happens is you just choose which ontology you want to believe that day. So you have a neighbor on the right of you and they and they say, hey, we just had a baby. It's a girl. You say, congratulations. I'm so happy you're having a girl. She's so cute. And then mm -hmm. to the left of you, you got a neighbor that says, our kid just identified as a male despite our sex assignment as female. And you say, oh, how brave how wonderful you, you did it mm -hmm. and, and and you are just you're literally being a liberal and that you don't care about the truth you're just maintaining the peace in each sense mm -hmm. but the way you're maintaining the peace is by just saying some people get their gender through just nature and they're they're kind of just the, the normal sort of people mm -hmm. and then there's some people that get their identity through they get their their gender through the opposition of gender identity over and against sex assignment at birth and i'm mm -hmm. going to apply these as I see fit. I mean, this is like, like bougie liberal. This is actually what happens. So mm -hmm. this is what, what we've produced. It, mm -hmm. And I think it's nihilistic. I think it's despairing because what does it mean to say, well, these people experience a fundamental human reality, unlike other people. It's, it's to exclude them from human. Like there's no common humanity anymore. Right. There are some people that are just, I mean, they're essentially aliens. They're not human. Mm -hmm. um, if by human we mean an actual coming experience of the basic institutions and, and, and features of humanity, they're not human. Mm -hmm. Which one isn't human is, I guess, up to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it has to it has to happen that way. And, and what what just frustrates me about about not about not recognizing this fact um, is that not only do we end up in this, not only do we end up very insincere and nihilistic. Um, but it's not even clear to me. Well, no, I don't want to go down that road. Okay, so the point, the point, the point is this. What's the point? I'll tell you the point. <laughs> the point is that this is not simply a neutral difference because of what liberalism is. So what I mean is, it's not simply the case that at the end of this attempt to include everyone under this one big definitional umbrella where we get rid of all conflict, you just end up with two different ontologies that you apply here and there. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I think, the case that one is better than the other. Uh, and you mentioned this when you said, like, we have to have a subclass. Mm -hmm. Because in one sense, you might say, well, is it really a subclass? Because it seems to me like all of the... Um, individually chosen self-identified gender identity forward um, genders are reliant they're dependent on this natural given sense um, mm -hmm. for their existence like and we know this this is a common critique like you can't have non-binary without the binary you can't right. have third yeah. gender without the two genders you can't have you know so but i think that the reason why it's an actual it's another hierarchy that is not identical to but exists alongside the hierarchy of constructionist over essentialists which just defines every gender identification we can make today mm -hmm. um there, there's also this hierarchy of the self-identified belonging to a gender category and then the presumed natural 
identification uh, or belonging to a or gender other category. Categorization. Yeah, and and the reason I hope you don't mind me just sort of continuing on. I realize I'm kind of. Go ahead. <laughs> I, th this part matters to me like more than a lot of other things because it just seems like this is the part where people are so lame because they're not willing to just own up and and say that they're um, busy with an oppressive tyrannical system and instead try to have it both ways. Like, but the reason I think in the end of the day, like what what the liberal model does is it establishes a hierarchy. Is that one the one that neighbor on the left fits with the basic values of liberalism in a way that the neighbor on the right doesn't. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I won't harp down on this too long, but you got to remember what a liberal society is. I mean, a liberal society is the one that thoroughly rejects any imposition of a tradition or a, a, a sort of point or purpose or goal of a social order. Um, it resists any attempt of like... Um, placing that over people and it wants people to be able to ex instead have all of those goals, religions, whatever it is mm -hmm. as objects of their private choice that they can get them for themselves. And then liberalism is supposed to just mediate between any conflicts that might happen as a result. Well, it's obvious that the analogy with, with gender is that in the terms of the of people who are not making any kind of distinction between their own identification and their sex assignment at birth, that they are somehow less living the liberal ideal than others, right? Because right. they're receiving a tradition. They're prioritizing a view that's coming from without, that's coming from others. They are in some way conforming to it, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas the the person who is over and against the sex assignment at birth fulfills lots of liberal ideals, mm -hmm. namely that they are opposing a tradition, right? That they are taking the self and saying that it is, it is in it is known in its very distinction from what others would have it be. You know, it's like you think about America as a sort of like maybe like the the most liberal of the liberal nations. Uh, and our psyche is deeply affected by the fact that we were born in a revolution. So, mm -hmm. so our, what constituted us as a nation was our rejection of an authority, a previous tradition, a previous authority. Mm -hmm. And and we live that out more thoroughly when we can do it, when we can basically live the kind of life of our nation within ourselves, when we can be microcosms of the whole. And it seems to me what the gender identity model does is it values people who are in the American mode of revolution more than people who are in essentially the older like <laughs> European Catholic model of reception of tradition. Mm -hmm. And it's always going to value them them more or to a, a different way of looking at it is that the more that you integrate into your life mm -hmm. and your beliefs the liberal neutral stance yes. about truth religion identity the greater ease you have in navigating yourself socially totally. through its systems the more social rewards you receive and so it yeah. might not seem like there is a a hierarchy, but there's one that gives you easier access and social rewards because you are thinking more like the system itself. Yeah, totally. I mean, think about how, you know, for most people, the, the, the initial act of identification where the self is asserted against the sex assignment at birth 
is in high school. High school high schoolers are very aware of where power is. In fact, it's a it's more <laughs> it's easier to understand the way high schools work by just understanding people as like hyper aware of power yes. than it is adults <laughs> who get confused on the issue. Like a, a, a kid that you know comes to school with a certain haircut because he knows by having the haircut he's going to fit in is intensely aware of of power and where it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an accident that identifications, uh, like 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 sexual identifications, happen here. I mean, there's there's more reason than right. just this, but I just think one of the reasons it's very fitting um, is because the you can claim people sense and can claim that there is power in establishing themselves with the ideal of the liberal hero the ideal of the one who within a neutral space privately chooses something over and against a tradition or against some prior given that was mm-hmm. is subsequently described as hampering or or bringing him down or somehow um closing off th- that you know so what i mean to say is like we know that there's power invested in this um mm-hmm. and so i'm not making like this claim of some like future hierarchy that might exist. I'm simply saying like right now there is power in mm-hmm. um, letting the the basic tenets of liberalism also become the basic way in which we are male, female, both or, or neither, which is I think in some ways why there's something very, very odd and lame about the way we identify now, which involves much less risk than it did. So what I mean is in moving from what was like the transsexual model which was very surgery based, which involved this like massive, like, um, you know, we're, we're like the term gender dysphoria was absolutely like on everyone's, on everyone's mouth because they, mm-hmm. they needed to say, I really experienced myself in this way. And it's so real and urgent that I will actually change my body to appear in accordance with my psychological perception of self. That's gone away. That's kind of passe. And now what we do is simply the psychological, it, it can simply be the psychological act of identity. Right, the, mm-hmm. you don't need to really change your behavior to be queer or to be like gender nonconforming. Maybe you change your dress a little bit, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the point it's is not as radical of a leap anymore. It's not, but it's because that power can be grasped simply More by easily. that change in in um, wh- that change from other to self. So mm-hmm. simply the move from saying I do not receive this as a prior given but i receive it as an identification i make mm-hmm. um that is sufficient to give that kind of the joy of it that that sense of fitting within the society and yeah. i think for a lot of people like <laughs> this is more speculative but it seems like everyone is within a liberal society looking for ways in which they can be the individual hero over and against a kind of uh traditional mass they want to break out they want to stand out they want to mm-hmm. they want um, to be the underdog and, and I, it's it's not to yeah. say that becoming the underdog gives you like every social freedom. Like, no, there's no, no, there's consequences not. to that as well. Right. But you can't deny that that in a liberal society that does give you certain social powers. Totally. Yeah, and, and I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to overextend the case here. I'm not saying that like um that the tide has turned and like trans people have some obvious power over and against cisgender people like i understand the the narrative and the privilege wars and all this and all this Mm -hmm. stuff but but the point is that it is something that does attain a kind of power Mm -hmm. and it is going to be relative to the course of history whether that power which is real can be utilized to be on top 
yeah. um, and towards the complete subordination of all cisgender, so, or I don't even want to say cisgender, all natural right. forms of belonging to a gender where you just say I'm a woman or I'm a man um, and where this isn't the result of a self-identification over and against a, mm -hmm. a prior tradition, a prior given. Yeah, you don't know the the truth about gender, so to speak. Yeah, and so I do think that that becomes, you know, you can kind of see how there is a ability to ascend within the liberal model here, a hierarchy of becoming more and more liberal, right? So you might say, okay, at the very bottom, you have just this rote identification. You don't even know what you're involved in because you haven't even made an identity, like you haven't even identified as yourself with your sex assignment at birth. Mm -hmm. You simply receive it as a given and, and live it as if it's like a, a natural phenomenon. Um, and then, okay, a little more, you can say, well, I do identify as my sex assignment, so I've made the division. Okay, maybe a little more, I don't identify and I have this mental act. Maybe a little more, not only do I not identify with it, um, but I, I sort of like actively reject it by assuming like various dress or I'm taking hormones or, or you know, there's ability to be more and more to, for, for your gender to come more and more from the self over and against another. Um, and so there is this like ability to ascend and descend the hierarchy. What troubles me about it, and I mean, there's lots of things that trouble me about it. I think I've mentioned it, but one is that there is this requirement, and this is why I don't think the liberal model, I mean, there are many, many reasons I think we've said why this doesn't work with yeah. the liberalism. The very fact of the hierarchy means liberalism has failed. Mm -hmm. One of the ways you can really see this, I think very tangibly is that to ascend that hierarchy requires certain privileges that are not available to everyone. So the mm -hmm. very idea of having a sense of self that you can oppose against a sex assignment at birth presumes you're of sound mind, presumes that you're not sick, mm -hmm. presumes that you're a certain age, mm -hmm. right? Presumes that you have these certain privileges of um, upbringing and health that allow you to make um, these acts presumes a, a liberal education. Absolutely, it presumes a university. I mean, I, I mean, I shouldn't say university. It, it but just, just presumes like actually you have liberal access. education. It like, also presumes that you're probably white, or in the, at least that you have a close enough access to these um, centers in which the liberal narrative is being um, espoused as the correct one, right? So because only because. <laughs> You only have the ability to be the liberal hero insofar as you're part of a, a liberal nation state in which the liberal hero is, is the, you know, is the hero. Yeah. Right? Well, or which excludes... just in other words, you, you you can only be the liberal hero like if you if you know the nor story, if the mm -hmm. you know the narrative or you know the equation. Mm -hmm. And so what this does is it it it, it naturally excludes. There's a parallel of, I mean, we know this about who's valued in our society. People are valued who are young. People are valued who are not dependent on anyone else. People mm. are valued who are healthy. People are valued who are wealthy. People are valued who are smart and not stupid. People are valued who live in cities and not countries, or in the country. And and what I'm saying is it it's not an accident that the ability to really live out this model pairs completely with the mm. hierarchy that already exists. Only the person who is um, young enough, healthy enough, of sound mind, independent enough, um, and has the education can most thoroughly um, right. reject a natural belonging to male or female and most thoroughly inhabit a non-binary um, or, you know, 
some alternative, not even alternative, some uh, opposing um, gender identity. Not gender identity, gender, sorry. Gender. Opposing gender. So, so again, like obviously... Obviously, there's there's huge problems here, but I don't think it matters how huge they are. So what I'm what I'm saying is, I realize I've indulged a certain macro view of mm-hmm. what I take to be a, a rising tyranny and 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 an and, and injustice. But again, for the purposes of what we're speaking of, it's just sufficient that the liberal model doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our original question going in was gender ideology and liberalism. Do they work? No. And in fact, it doesn't accomplish the very thing that liberalism is trying to accomplish, which is to put everyone on equal footing and to abolish all tyrannical hierarchies. Yeah. But it's it's just creating a new one. I think and I think two new ones, that of constructionists over essentialists and that over self-identifying genders versus naturally given genders. And both of those things already align with the hierarchies that we are finding in liberalism already which is why i don't think it's particularly shocking that you know some some people are shocked by this that like our institutions of power are obviously very pro this gender identity model like Mm -hmm. from government to corporation um it's just not particularly shocking right because it does fit with what they already um with what they already are and with what already works within a hierarchy of power that that ends in them, um, which is something we'll discuss more. So the failure of liberalism, I think it should be sort of taken in its own right. It is not necessarily showing like the failure of the truth claims of queer theory because queer theory is making truth. It'll probably deny it given any one author, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. they're saying things like, um, you know, gender identity isn't real. That's yeah. a truth claim. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Right. So it's not sufficient to say, oh, this LGBT model with its definitions is is inconsistent to say, so therefore the uh, sort of Christian uh, tradition of male and female who created them is somehow correct. That wouldn't follow. Um, but it is to say that we live under a legal regime that is broken, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have a reference to truth. It just has a reference to itself. And so we live in an increasingly gender managed world and what we will see going forward is simply more conflict within that world as the sense of all belonging under a a common definition is slowly revealed to um, not be, to not be true. We don't actually all fit. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to see who's excluded and how they're excluded. And that will be the story. If if nothing changes, that'll be the story of the past is just how, or the, of the future. Right. Yeah, I think so. Cool. What do we do next? Uh, next time we are going to be looking at different constructions of gender. It's been a a question that's come up. Um, we've, we've referenced a a Catholic understanding of what it means to construct a world or construct gender. Um, what we mean by that is not what Butler is saying. And so we'll be diving into those questions next time. All right. Very cool. Join us next time. We appreciate you being here. Bye.